We are coming down the home stretch of this season, and we have a big home-and-home -home series coming up with BC. We're going to get you guys ready with everything you need to know for this series. There's a lot of fun storylines, so let's go. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 80 of High Character, another big weekend set coming up. This time it's a home and home with rival BC. First game is going to be in Newton on Friday night and then at UMass on Saturday, and we're getting excited for it. We're going to tell you everything to look out for. My name is Cameron, and today I'm joined by my good pal, Evan. Evan, how's it going, man? I'm doing pretty well. Um, big, big time standings implications for this one. You know what I mean? Like, it was kind of the same case last year towards the end of the season. I mean, we kind of had straight up hockey's regular season championship to play for, and Conti was kind of a house of horrors. So I'm hoping we don't see the same thing this time around. But uh, yeah, I mean, really, really important series here. And uh, can't wait to get you guys previewed and ready for it. Yeah, it'll be the second and third meetings between these two teams this year. Uh, technically, the first one didn't count towards hockey East standings. It was the frozen Fenway game. You guys probably remember BC won that one four to two. Uh, UMass got outshot 37 to 25. Have didn't really look comfortable in that game. Uh, and he hadn't looked comfortable last weekend against Vermont either. So uh, we'll, we'll talk about the goalie situation later. That's a, a good conversation to have. But uh, BC, man, they, they come in 10, 12, and 6, 5, 8, and 5 in the conference, which isn't going to scare anybody. But they have a couple big wins on their resume. Uh, a nine to six win versus BU definitely stands out with how good BU this is this year. They also just beat BU in the bean pot consolation game four to two. Uh, they have a couple other decently nice wins like against Lowell and Northeastern and stuff like that, but nothing too crazy. Uh, they, they haven't been hot lately besides that one BU win. So uh, not sure totally what BC team we're going to be getting this weekend. Yeah. That's kind of the encouraging thing. Like looking at their schedule is that they're, basically have two wins in the past like month like 30 days of play so I mean there's a lot of losses in there a lot of low scoring losses too you know like they're losing three to one to BU two to one to Northeastern you know three to two to Vermont you know so I mean hey we're, we're at least tying with Vermont so if they can't even beat Vermont if we're doing the whole circle of parity thing I mean we're, we're ahead of them in that regard so that's pretty cool but um yeah, definitely. I mean, it seems like they're in a bit of a slump. I feel like the whole BU win that they just had recently probably looks worse on BU rather than it looks good for BC mm -hmm. because BU got swept in the bean pod. So they're just on a complete and utter slump right now. But um, yeah, I mean, it's going to be a really, really hard fought series, pretty, pretty close to each other in the standings. So, I mean, we have it all to play for and, you know, UMass just really needs to show up when it, when it matters here and get hot. Yeah, definitely a ton to play for. UMass, uh, you guys know the story. They come in 10, 13, and 5, 4, 11, and 3 in conference. They haven't lost in their last three games, which is nice considering how the season's gone. But they really should be on a three-game winning streak right now. Uh, if you don't know why, check out our last episode. They uh, blew two three nothing leads in the third period in back-to-back -back games to Vermont. So uh, could be more. Um, right now, UMass is two points behind BC in the Hockey East standings. So if they took care of business last weekend, they'd be tied going into the series for eighth place. But um, if UMass can get the job done, definitely some big 
um, standings implications. BC's in that last home game slot uh, in eighth place there. So uh, definitely a ton to play for, even outside of the the whole rivalry aspect of it and all and UMass's uh, struggles against BC over the last few years. There's there's a lot going on in this game, these both yeah. games. Definitely. I mean, the the whole trying to get the home ice to a playoffs thing is kind of paramount here. I didn't think we'd be saying that at the beginning of the season, but here we are. And, you know, it's unfortunate to say, but that's just the reality of the season. It's been a tough one overall, and we're just trying to get our wins when we can get them. You know what I mean? And I feel like this is it's a winnable series. You know what I mean? Simple as that. I mean, their, their goaltending isn't very hot. You know, I feel like our scoring as of lately has been steadily improving. You know what I mean? Granted, Vermont you know what I mean but it mm-hmm. doesn't matter who you play I mean as long as we we put our best foot forward we're going to be in a good spot so if we just play really tight defensive hockey you know which granted through the first two periods of both games last weekend we, we did you know what I mean we looked really really good in the first two periods it's just been that that dreaded pesky third period that things have kind of been slipping for us I think if we if we can tighten that up we, we're putting ourselves in a really really good spot to to win this weekend yeah, it might be tricky uh, against some of these top scorers that BC has. Uh, they have a, a top three that's just wicked when you look at their stat sheet. Cutter, Gauthier, he has 27 points, 14 goals, and 13 assists. He's a top five NHL guy, so um, definitely watch out for him. He is on a pretty much over point per game streak right now. Uh, they also have Nikita Nesterenko, who has 23 points, and Trevor Kuntar, who has 22 points. Uh, so those three just really carrying the weight, kind of top-loaded when you look up and down their roster, but uh, some some star guys that are making a difference for them this season. Yeah, and I mean, it's nothing really all that different for, you know, most Boston schools in general. You know, they're going to attract the big-name, you know, sexy, skilled players. I mean, that's just the reality of it. But Cutter Gochi kind of fits that mold perfectly. I mean, I hate gushing about other teams' players, but – He's filthy. You know what I mean? He was a top five pick in the last draft. I'm pretty sure filthy shot on him. You know what I mean? He, he kind of made that known in frozen Fenway He ended up scoring very early against Pavs. So, you know, he, he has a filthy shot and Nestorenko is going to set him up. You know what I mean? He's the team leading assist guy with 16 uh, assists so far this season. How's our S's for that one? Jeez. I was like, <laughs> I feel like my list was just going insane there, but uh, yeah, I mean, really, really solid first line for them. Um, and they're gonna they're gonna be firing, you know what I mean? Like recently, they haven't really been getting the goals, but I mean, you saw it towards the beginning of the season. They were ranked at one point. They were on a bit of a roll. So I mean, the the talent's obviously there. You know what I mean? You can just see that in the draft picks. But you know, we have the character, we have the compete, we have the heart. I mean, I think we can make something happen. So I'm I'm feeling good still. Yeah, and it's a bit of a different story for UMass. Obviously, BC has that firepower, and they're kind of top loaded. UMass is scoring is pretty spread out. I think. Uh, pretty surprising uh how michael cameron and kenny connors are the two leading goal scorers with eight um you'd like to have a guy that's a little bit more than that at this point in the season uh, but nice to see it be freshmen that are leading the way and scott morrow leads for points for umass with 24 uh that's six goals and 18 assists uh, and he's a plus six also which is the highest on the team so um definitely more spread out the scoring is for umass uh, and kind of just hoping that depth can lead the way this weekend. Yeah, and you want to talk about it being spread out. I mean, we just talked about the, the two highest goal scorers with eight goals, but, I mean, we got three guys directly behind them with seven apiece. You know, Ufko, mm-hmm. after his hat trick last weekend's up to seven goals. Reed Lebster got seven. And Taylor McCarr, who really hasn't seen the score sheet too much in recent times, I mean, he's still at seven. You know what I mean? He, he the, the firepower is there. He had a really hot start. He's cooled down a little bit, but 
all it takes is, you know, I guess a bit more discipline on his part to stay out on the ice a bit more. But uh, once he's out there, I mean, he's always dangerous. You know, even if he's not scoring, he's still, you know, wearing down opposing defenses and making plays and really just kind of being a threat at all times, which is something that can't really be said for all of our lines. You know what I mean? Like our scoring is spread out, but we really have two, you know, big time scoring lines and the other mm-hmm. lines are more kind of meant for energy and forechecking and being more defensively responsible. So yeah, it's been really, really largely spread out, but all it takes is, you know, one really good night and one of these guys could really break away and start having double digit goals. You know what I mean? That's yeah, what I mean, happened we... with a, with off goal last weekend. Yeah, exactly. Uh, they're actually giving away a beanie hat on for Saturday's game. Say it's because of uh, Ufko's hat trick. I have to imagine that was pre-planned before, but uh, pretty nice of Ufko to align him up with that one for sure. Um, the guy they'll be trying to score on uh, for BC, Mitch Benson, he's making this a really easy goalie conversation for us. Uh, he started every game for BC, 28 games. He has 2.7 goals per game and a 901 save percentage. So uh, really not great stats from a goaltender. Um, And I guess that kind of shows in BC's record this year, but they only give up 2.9 goals per game. So it's not crazy. Um, I guess he's serviceable and kind of, kind of all they have to put in goal. It seems like. Yeah. That's kind of what it seems like. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at Benson's page right now. I'm pretty sure he's a grad transfer if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. He comes from Colgate somewhere to a, Elliot McDermott, uh, bless up, both, both uh, going to have a nice little reunion, even though they already met earlier this season at Frozen Fenway, but you get the idea. Um, his stats are really mid, you know what I mean? Barely above a 900. Um, mm-hmm. It's definitely something that could be exploitable. You know, like, again, the, the team as a whole doesn't really seem like they're limiting shots all that well. And when Benson kind of does have to, you know, come up big, he comes up okay. You know what I mean? Like, he doesn't really seem like a guy that's going to really steal steal wins for you because he hasn't really done that too much this season to my knowledge. But um, yeah, like you said, really, really cut and dry kind of starting goaltender conversation for, for BC. But I don't think the same thing can be said for UMass leading into this weekend. Yeah, and obviously the goaltending has been such a big topic, especially in the second half of the season. This might be the most up in the air, uh, the most unsure that we ever will be about a goaltender situation. We saw Luke Pavisic for both games last weekend, uh, and he just looked like he really didn't have it. He never looked comfortable, even when uh, he was making saves. Kind of just saw him shaking his head a lot, never really felt comfortable in there. Uh, It was the same case last time UMass played BC at Fenway. I uh, just didn't seem comfortable kind of a couple softies let in there. So uh, definitely right to be cautious about Luke Pavisic coming into this one. Um, Henry Graham might get the starts. Uh, he let up kind of a softie of his own when he got put in for relief in the second game against Vermont. He had a sparkling save in overtime though um, and kept UMass from losing in overtime, quite frankly. So We'll have to see. I going on the road to BC. Uh, it's a tough place to just say, "Hey, third string walk on goalie, you're getting the start tonight." But who knows, man? I I genuinely have no lean whatsoever for this decision. Yeah, it's completely up in the air for me as well. I mean, I'm pretty satisfied with how Graham kind of looked in relief. You know what I mean? Like he he blanked, you know, uh, Vermont in the shootout in the second game. Mm-hmm. Had that really, really nasty kind of sprawling, stack the pads, glove, whatever the hell you want to call that. It was it was a damn good save. You know, he's been pulling out some desperation saves all season. But I don't know. I mean, it, it's such a weird thing because, like, when Pav is on, 
he's genuinely damn near unstoppable. You know what I mean? Like he looks like a top 10 goalie in the nation easily, but it's just the consistency is not there. And I don't know how a coaching staff in good conscience can say have earned the start next weekend. I don't think they can say that. And that's when it kind of comes in, you know, like did, did Graham do enough to earn it? I don't know. You know what I mean? It's a very limited sample size, which has kind of been the story of his entire season so far. So that's kind of just been a narrative that's been following him the whole time. And then mm-hmm. Cole Brady, who knows? Come on down. Dun, 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 dun. You know, like <laughs> wheel for, or well, not wheel for price is right. Music starts playing and, you know, maybe he just starts running down the tunnel and he's, he's ready to go, but it's just, nobody knows. It's as simple as that. You know, it's been the biggest question mark of the whole season week in, week out. And this weekend is quite simply no different. Yeah. It's a uh, big question mark. I gave percentages on what I think, will happen i think my highest percentage last weekend won out Pav starting both games but i i don't have an answer for this one i my best guess is that henry graham starts the first game can't say for the second game if he does well he'll play if he does poorly Pav will play that's my my only guess and i'm not very confident about it i don't know if you feel the same way i'm going like 48 percent graham 48% Pav. You know what? Just so I have a favorite, I'll go 47% uh, Pav and 48% Graham and then a 5%, you know, Cole Brady or like a 4.9% Cole Brady and then like a 0.1%. Like if you fill out this questionnaire online at like a day before the game, we'll put in a fan and we'll see what happens. <laughs> like I genuinely don't know what to expect, but yeah, I'm going to lean Graham just because Carvey's always been the type that's just like, you know, next guy up, you know, if you earn yeah. it, you earn it. I'm going to give you the shot. So I think, you know, after the weekend that, that Pav had, I think it might be worth it for him to get a day, recuperate a little bit because I don't know, just him being the starting, like, you know, bell cow, you know, just I'm going to get every game. I don't think he has that right now. He's just, yeah. he's not there yet. So I think we got to give him a bit of a rest and let, let Graham hopefully, hopefully work some magic on Friday night. Yeah, I, I think that's what's going to happen, but I would totally not be surprised if we're wrong on that one either. Oh, yeah. All right, so let's move into our keys to the game. I've been looking at some stats that honestly kind of surprised me going through UMass's mm-hmm. um, stat list for all the players. Um, just looking at BC, they are really good on the power play, 23.3%. Um, they're really good on the face-off stat, too, 53%. Uh, and there's six major penalties on the year kind of tell me that they like to get under team skins and maybe go uh, a little too far on that. And then looking at UMass's roster, uh, a couple guys stood out Mercury and Taylor McCarr uh, are well over a penalty minute per game. Uh, Mercury has 31 and Taylor has 35. Um, so BC uh, team that seems like they might be able to get under your skin. UMass has a couple guys that uh, are not afraid to get put in the penalty box this season for mm-hmm. sure. So um, I'm a little bit nervous about that. I think at least one of these games is going to be heavily filled with penalties, which I know Coach Carvel won't be happy about after the first game against Vermont last weekend. Yeah, I mean, that's just the way that this team has been. You know what I mean? Like kind of young, fiery at times. You know, sometimes we lack the fire in the third period, which leads to our utter demise, but you know, it, it's a, it's a balancing act. And I feel like sometimes we, we tend to swing in both directions extremely heavily. And that's always been one of the worst parts of the season, in my opinion, but 
I mean, at least on the bright side, we got two forwards that start almost every game and they got zero penalty minutes. Shout out Michael Cameron, the golden goal scorer himself. We, we love to see that. He got zero on the season. Same with Matt Koopman. You know what I mean? Extremely disciplined, hardworking dudes out there. I just feel like, you know, if we're going to, if we're going to do a little bit of a, of a highlight in the, in the bad penalty areas, I feel like I'll play a bit of the good cop and highlight some yeah. of the guys that have been super, super disciplined this season. You really do love to see that. I'm hoping that it continues. I mean, Reed Lebster's only got four on the season, you know, four penalty minutes of so two minor penalties. Kennedy O'Connor, I mean, he's started over half the games. You know what I mean? He only has one minor penalty of the season. We, we have some guys that are super, super disciplined. It's just, we have a couple of outliers that just, really really hurt at times you know what I mean like even even just last weekend alone I'm pretty sure Lucas Mercury was in the box a couple times you know it's Mm -hmm. just you just got to be more disciplined I mean some of them I know aren't necessarily his fault you know there are genuinely bad calls but you know it's just you can't have a bad call every single time you know what I mean there there are definitely a couple of these that are completely warranted and you just got to go like come on guys what's going on here so I'm hoping for some more clean games but like you said, it doesn't seem like a guarantee right now. Yeah, it honestly doesn't. And then uh, it doesn't really have a place in any of our episodes, but just looking through the stats, uh, I found that Owen Murray's plus minus is minus 14. It honestly stood out like it might be a typo to me. Uh, the next lowest is like minus four, I believe. And there's other like rookie D-men that are plus four. Uh, the numbers don't add up to me. I'm not sure what that's about. Um, he's played a decent amount of games too. So, uh, pretty interesting stuff. I don't know. I don't know if you could attribute that to anything, but, uh, the only thing, so I know I'm pretty damn sure it's not a typo because I remember doing the research for most of our previews over the past couple of weeks. And he's been around that area for a while. Like, I think there was, you know, a couple of weeks ago, he's at a minus 10 and I was like, okay, like, hold on, wait a second here. But it's definitely more perplexing. The more I'm trying to like rationalize it in my head, like why, you know what I mean? Like he. The, the one thing kind of to to his credit is that he really hasn't had any sort of like comfortable, you know, line made alongside of him. You know, it's mm-hmm. been that whole third line has been an absolute revolving door of, of deep pairings. You know what I mean? It's basically just let's pick two freshmen out of these four or five that we have available here and just throw it out there, see what works. You know, he's been playing with Mikey Adamson, who's been a bit error prone himself. You know, Kennedy O'Connor, he's still a minus four on the season and Noah Ellis, who is a plus four, you know what I mean? Like, it seems like Noah Ellis has kind of been on that, on that third line pretty consistently, but I think he had a couple of games on the second line due to injuries. So he might've got a couple of boosts there. Playing yeah, I think he had some shifts with Ufco for a yeah. few games. So, I mean, it's, it's been a suit, like we haven't really had a completely, you know, perfect set of defensive lines that we can kind of just compare guys like for like, and just kind of understand what's going on in that regard. But the only thing I could potentially think of is maybe he's, you know, getting caught in line changes. I remember you mentioned that at some point earlier mm-hmm. um, before we started recording. I mean, that makes sense, but yeah, it's very, very perplexing to me. And I can't really pinpoint a specific reason why that's, right. that's going on. Like it doesn't, he doesn't fail the eye test for me. Like it doesn't add I, up. I, I'll disagree with you on that one. I can definitely think of, so like I test wise, I love his skating. I think he's a pretty fast agile skater, but I think the problem is, is that he's never in the right place at the right time. Yeah. I think a lot of times he'll always just be a millisecond behind the play. And he usually was able to utilize his speed and his solid skating to make up for his lack of awareness at times. Mm-hmm. But 
in, in NCAA hockey, man, you're going to get punished if you make minor errors like he does. And it just seems like cases where he'll try and lift a guy's stick and he'll, he'll whiff, you know what I mean? And the guy's completely, you know, wide open for a shot. Like it's simple things like that. It's not like he's making egregious turnovers all the time, you know, where you're right. sitting there like, Murray, what are you doing? Like, I, I can't think of many times when that's happened, but he makes a lot of subtle mistakes that will, will, you know, they'll make you pay. And, yeah. You know, so I test wise, he doesn't look that bad, but I mean, God damn, man, the stats don't lie. You know, it's, right. it's unfortunate, but yeah, it was just another thing that we kind of noticed on the stat sheet. That was really, really weird. Right. And especially the way that we uh, talked about some of the blunders from uh, Morrow and McDermott's D pairing this year, <laughs> you'd think they might be in that territory. They're both McDermott's plus four and Morrow's plus six. So uh, interesting, interesting. Once you get to the end of the season, you start looking up and down the stat sheet. Some, some certain things pop up, come to our attention. Yeah, and that's the craziest thing for me, like McDermott, like I, I can think of many times off the top of my head where he gets burned, you know what I mean? And it leads to, you know, a two on one going the other way. He, I don't know what it is, but they just don't get punished for it. Like McDermott has two points on the season. It's not like he has a crazy amount of points like Scott Morrow, you know, who has 24 this season where you can say, Oh, well, you know, if they're the ones that are facilitating a lot of offense on their lines, they're they're not going to get punished as hard on the plus minus. But like, Ellie McDermott got two points on the season. Like, it's not even like he's an offensive powerhouse that's making stuff happen. It's just he he clearly is much more defensively solid than we're giving him credit for because mm-hmm. he, he's out here. You know, again, the numbers don't lie. You know, they might be a little misleading, but they're not lying to you. So it's crazy. Yeah, and uh, one more thing, Scott Morrow, he has almost double the amount of shot attempts that the next best person on the team does. He has 97. And I think the next highest is Cole O'Hara with 55. So that's pretty, pretty funny. Really? Cole's ripping the biscuit. Like I'm kind of surprised. I didn't think right? he had that many shot attempts. Yep. That's... Connors with 54, Ufko with 53 to round it out. Wow. Yeah, back no, with 50. I... That's the top five. Yeah, Scott Morrow, I definitely figured was in the top of that category. I mean, I've seen probably a couple of games where he's hovering around eight or nine shots, you know, in any mm-hmm. given game, which is nuts to me. But uh, yeah, I could totally see that. But no, those other names that you mentioned were a little more surprising to me. So that's uh, that's definitely a, a good stat to find out. I didn't know that Cole O'Hara was shooting that much. So yeah, cool find, Cam. Yeah. So uh, yeah, that's about everything we had. Went a little tangent, just getting lost in the stats, but um thank you guys for listening we uh hope to see you at the games i don't think we'll be there for um the one at bc but definitely for mullins uh we'll see there are only only two home games left gotta show up they're giving away beanies like i said on saturday so make sure you get to the game early for those pretty cool giveaway one of the best of the season um so something cool to look out for and these boys could use your support for the last two games for sure yes sir as umass is making their push towards the playoffs All right. That's everything we want to talk about. Thank you guys again for listening and go UMass. Go UMass. Take care, everybody. Screw BC. They suck.